The gates to the Rose Garden are now open. Welcome to my world. You are listening to Talk That Talk with Danielle Moneyham, a reflective conversation where I share the lessons I've learned on this journey called life. I don't have all the answers, but I do have plenty of questions. My name is Danielle Moneyham, and this is my love letter to the world, where I let my soul speak. Let's talk. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the show. I am sitting, well, sitting uh, virtually, not in the same space, but we're sharing a virtual space with my soul sister, and I'm excited to have another moment with Miranda. Hi, Miranda. Hi. How are you today? Good. How are you? I would like to say that I'm excited. I'm going to clap. This is going to be the first episode of season three for Talk That Talk with Danielle Moneyham. Yes. So it was all a dream. And now here we are entering season three. And I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. Number one, my soul sister, I've been watching your journey and inspired by your journey. And you just launched a podcast this year as well. I did. I did. Um, so I have been doing like Facebook vlogs and just like live controversial conversation, which I didn't, I didn't really set it up to be controversial conversation, but it always turned into controversial conversation. Um, and then the pandemic hit and I really kind of was in a space where I just wanted to say what I needed to say and get off. Like I didn't have the energy to be arguing with people. Um, but I knew that there was still something that I needed to say. So I went in thinking that I was just going to take this vlog and kind of morph it into like my thoughts that I had kind of pre-gathered and it didn't quite turn out that way. It's there and it's moments, the podcast, and it has turned into like this black girl voice that I didn't realize I had put on mute. And so that's where it is. And I think, honestly, like, you've been watching my journey. Like, I had been watching you. So my thing was, like, if my soul sister could do it, I could do it. Like, let's just rock it. Like, let's just cover all different areas. Like, we're going to cover Black educators. We're going to cover the Rose Garden. We're going to cover life and religion and marriage and divorce and kids and all things in between. Because I just think that black women have so many stories that we're just not telling. And I think it's because of the way that we have been conditioned to be heard or not be heard. So it's, you know, we've been taught that like, it's, it's better to be the quiet black girl than it is to be the angry black woman. And so we just stop talking. We stop telling the stories. We just kind of sit back and, and let life happen. And those days have got to come to an end. Yeah, they have to come to an end. We do have stories and we do have voices. And it's something incredibly powerful when one black woman can see you and encourage you. There's nothing more powerful than partnership and aligned partnership. So I appreciate the fact that we've been watching each each other's journeys and inspiring each other to find our voices and tell our stories and share them and create space to have these conversations. You call them controversial conversations. I say I want to talk that talk. I never knew that you that you viewed your conversations as controversial. What makes it so controversial? Because you found your voice and you are speaking your truth 
couple things. So number one, I say things out loud that people only think in their head. Like, yeah. I'm definitely that friend. Don't take me anywhere. I'm going to talk about people. We're going to get put out of the funeral. Like, <laughs> I am that person. I'm going to try. I'm trying to figure out why your toes are hanging over the front of your shoes. Like, I'm <laughs> that person. And I, and I say it out loud. So usually what happens is me saying what I see makes people really uncomfortable because people don't really want to deal with the truth. Like you don't want to deal with the fact that your toes hang over the front of your shoes. You don't want to deal with the fact that you jumped into this marriage because you were lonely, not because you were in love. And now he's got a boyfriend and you trying to figure out how you want to live your life. We don't, we don't want to have those conversations. Mm. We don't. And so by me just acknowledging like, Hey, I see you like this is happening or, Hey, this is what I live. This is what I experience. This is what I see. People are quick to say, no, 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 that's not really what's happening. Mm-hmm. Like, no, yeah, it is. No, that's, I, I really think you're, you're reading too much into this. No, no, no. You're not reading. <laughs> like you are illiterate. I'm not reading too far into it. You're just choosing to not read. You have not learned how to read period. And so what I really thought was going to be like just this expression and just conversations over coffee, which has now turned into conversations over whatever ends up being in my cup. (laughs) Um, You find that people don't like the truth. We like the safety of presentation and we don't like what happens when we're confronted with real life issues and so we find ourselves in the middle of a pandemic or on the early edges of civil war or marriages with a 50% divorce rate or modern day lynchings. I mean, like, it, pick one. Those we find ourselves in situations where as a single parent, I have to choose between my kid being at home, navigating through e-learning on his own or me quitting my job that makes sure that we can eat. Like, and we don't want to talk about it. Even when I listed out all of the things that we were sitting in the context, I didn't name any of those because depending on where you are and what you are experiencing, the day to day is very different. And when a person speaks their truth and you don't live that truth, people love to dismiss it. So I enjoy the fact that you found your voice and you telling your stories and you saying what you see making people makes people uncomfortable because sometimes people need to be made uncomfortable, especially if you are choosing to stay blinded. Correct. Like nothing changes until you get uncomfortable. Right. Like this. This is part of the problem with the pandemic. The beginning of the pandemic, we went straight into like trauma mode. We went into numbing through this grief and loss experience that everybody was experiencing at the same time. Like people weren't showering for days at a time. These jokers had on the same joggers, the same leggings for three, four, five, seven, 12 days. Like, and then when it was time to go back outside, none of your clothes fit. Why? Because you have become comfortable in something that was going to give with you, but you can't wear those clothes to work that you used to wear before because they don't fit. You're uncomfortable. You wouldn't have to change them if you were still comfortable in them. We don't change our hair until something about this ain't right. We don't change relationships until we're uncomfortable. 
we as people don't change until we're uncomfortable. And as long as we continue to coddle people and as long as we continue to minimize other people's experiences, we're still not going to see the change that needs to be seen because it's easier to ignore it. It's easier to shush it. It's easier to, to, to pay whatever it's going to cost to make it go away because this is what society has taught us works. So that is how we have had to function in the past. But now we know we are in the middle of an amazing shift. That is 2020. Everything is shifting, whether we wanted it to or not. We are all uncomfortable. Correct. All uncomfortable. Why did you have to issue the disclaimer? Let's talk about discomfort. Oh, child. Okay. So the disclaimer came as a result of like, all of these little pieces that I've kind of already dropped little nuggets on kind of come into a head at the same time. So uh, when the pandemic first hit, you know, a lot of people were sent to work from home. What I do, my investment company, because really they just paying for me to do my passion, is I run a 24-hour crisis line. Well, we don't have, number one, we're quote-unquote essential. But because of the systems that we have access to, we can't work from home. So my staff has continued to come in in person, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. After that happened, I had to lay off majority of my staff. About two thirds of them lost their jobs. We're finally getting accustomed to whatever this is. And then there's racial tensions, right? Me being the director of this program as a black woman, I began to say, what is the company going to say? The company's not going to say anything. We're, we're not going to say anything? Nothing? No. Okay. Well, I'm going to say something because, number one, I'm black. Number two, I'm the director of the program. And number three, something should be said. If I can do anything well in life, there are three things that I know I have figured out. How to be a mom, how to speak, and how to write. Now, everything else you could say, yeah, she got some areas of growth. These three things are things you probably don't want to come at me for. So, get my thoughts together. I bring it all up really nicely, very professionally, and... As a safety measure, I send it through HR. Can you look over this before I send it out? Immediately, I'm told you cannot send this out. I'm, I'm sorry, why? You're giving history. You could make somebody uncomfortable. I said, wait, I've been uncomfortable for 36 years. <laughs> they can't be uncomfortable for 36 seconds to read through an email. An email that ends with, Hey, I'm here if you want to talk about it. And if you don't want to talk about it, that's okay too. No pressure. Well, you shouldn't tell people that they could come and talk to you. You need to refer them to EAP. Why would I refer them to EAP when I have the same degree that the people at EAP have? For people who don't know what EAP is. EAP is the, I think it stands for Employment employee assistance program. program. Mm -hmm. Yes. Basically like you can get so many therapy sessions or whatever for free that the company covers. If you're going through whatever life experiences you may be going through. 
So I was basically told, like, you shouldn't be inviting people to talk to you. You should be referring them out. Um, you're giving history. Your email has the potential to make people uncomfortable. And you use the words Black Lives Matter. So I said, okay. So I was told, you know, this is the email that our parent company sent out. Why don't you use this as a template and mirror what they said? And I said, I will do no such thing. There won't be an email because what I won't do is sacrifice the truth. So things got real sticky. I got called into a meeting the following week, was told that I was potentially a liability. I couldn't make people uncomfortable. We could be sued. I learned real fast that I was putting myself in a position that was about to make me the next target. And again, as a black woman, I, have, I am a single mother with two boys. I had to make the decision of was this fight that could potentially cost me my job worth the livelihood that my children had become accustomed to. So I got quiet. Yeah. I learned how to play the game because at the end of the day, I, these are your choices that you're dealing with. You got, you got to know the devil that you work with. So things went on. I continued to say my piece on my podcast. I got called. I was on my way out of the restaurant. Now, um, I work in a large office building and we have like communal bathrooms. I was on my way out of the restaurant, got stopped by a lady who we have been like, we're decent, you know, we're cordial. We had, you know, shared conversations over washing our hands, nothing too, too major. This particular day, she felt the need to tell me that she had listened to my podcast and she was very angry with me. And I said, I'm sorry, what? She said she immediately burst into tears to tell me that she yelled at me multiple times as she listened to my podcast and then had to calm herself down by telling herself, no, 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 this is Miranda's opinion. To which I countered with, no, 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 this is Miranda's experience. So she begins to cry in the hallway of this very large office building, saying how she's just so upset about how I can say Black Lives Matter, but she can't say White Lives Matter. And her father did this and she just can't understand why things can't be more peaceful like Martin Luther King. And I said, let me stop you right there. You killed him too. Like what, how, I'm sorry, Karen, why are we in this hallway having this conversation and you are performing for whomever is walking past who now thinks I have done something to you because you're crying in this hallway and really all I was trying to do was wash my hands. Like what? She never did go into the bathroom. So her bladder is probably still full because by the time she was finished crying, she went on back to her office. So it was another one of those moments where I was like, oh, okay, like this is getting out of control. So fast forward, um, things have become very tense in my office space. I was very cognizant of what I said while I was here, what I posted on my social media while I was here, because I it, it was very clear that I was being watched and my words were being monitored. The walls have ears, so I couldn't say nothing 
wear nothing, do nothing that wasn't potentially conflict arising, right? So I'm at work one day and all of a sudden there's a woman who works here and she's not speaking to me. Now, any other day, like, it's good morning, how you doing, blah, blah, blah. This particular day, she is not speaking to me at all. She was not supposed to be at work the following day. She came to work the following day. And so I said to her, oh, I thought you weren't going to be here. She was like, oh, no, I wasn't supposed to be here. Now, this is after riots and looting have happened in Chicago. She's like, I wasn't supposed to be here. I was supposed to go and help my friend whose store got looted downtown. She said, but he got some other help, so I'll have to go and help him once he gets his next shipment in. And I said, oh, man, that sucks. I'm sorry to hear that. She says, yeah, actually, that's why I wasn't talking to you yesterday. I said, I didn't loot his store. She goes, no, but I was reading the comments and somebody wrote that that's what they get and this is reparations and they have insurance so they'll get it back anyways because Black Lives Matter. And so since, you know, you stand on Black Lives Matter, I just figured it was best that I not talk to you. Okay. Now, let me blow your mind. My mind's already blown. Is there more? The conversation was with the woman who runs HR. The woman who who was not talking to you? Yes, ma'am. Is the woman who runs HR? Yes, ma'am. Is the woman who originally silenced your email communication to all staff offering a bridge, offering yourself as a resource, offering to help start to rebuild and repair any tensions that existed. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Okay. So now, in the words of Della Reese in Harlem Nights, now I got to cut you. So we end up with the disclaimer because to this very moment, she and I are still Facebook friends. She's very intentional on what she shares on Facebook. She is Facebook stalking. She's stopped posting anything, but she's watching everything. So it got to a point to where I had to like really just tell people, like if, if you don't have the capacity for this, that's fine. But my space is not the space for you to let loose in. We don't have to play the game anymore of this facade of friendship. I'm done being the token black friend that you pull up anytime you need to justify how you're not racist. I have been in these constant, I'm that chick on Facebook in all of the baseball mom's comments, like, where you get these facts from? Oh, so you know this is not the truth, right? Oh, let's run this back 400 years. So I think that I have gotten my child successfully kicked out of the baseball league that he has played in since he was five. And I don't care because at a certain point, you're going to have to listen to the truth. If you're going to keep coming in my face, I'm going to keep slapping the hell out of you with the facts because 
you're quick to share a controversial headline and not know anything about it. You Well, where are the protests for the little boy? They don't need protests. His murderer got arrested. I'm not saying that what the man did was right. It wasn't. Put him under the jail. Matter of fact, I don't care what you do with him because I want my taxes and have to pay for him to spend life in prison because it costs too much. It's going to cost more for us to imprison him for life than it would be to send him to get his PhD. This is dumb. Figure out something else. However, acknowledge the fact that there was a crime committed. The person who committed the crime was charged and arrested and will surely serve the consequences of his behaviors. These two situations do not compare. And so it, it, it's gotten to the place with me where I just, I have reached that capacity of um, allowing things to slide for the sake of keeping the peace when I'm the only one that ain't got no peace. You're just fine. Well, actually, Karen was not fine because Karen, on her free time, found your podcast, listened to it, and instead of really listening to it with an empathetic ear, she listened to it with her ego so that she could find a way to become offended so that she could watch you go into the bathroom to wait for you to come out so that she could confront you in public and let her white tears tell a story. And it, it's amazing to me that these are people who work at a crisis center but cannot recognize the lack of humanity that exists when we talk about how black people are treated in this country. And we have video. How many videos do we need to see before you understand what Black Lives Matter means? It means what it says. Black life has value. And if you accept, they can't get to that point. Why? What's the barrier? What is the empathetic barrier? Is it just lack of empathy? If you had to boil it down, what is it? No, there's not an empathetic barrier. There's an apathetic barrier. Tell us the difference. Come on, counselor. They don't care. They don't care because it doesn't have a direct impact on their lives. Prime example. You not saying nothing while they killing all these other little kids. All of a sudden, your little nephew get killed. Now you on the news. Now we trying to figure out why we not marching for little kids. People don't care about issues until it hits their doorstep. This is not any different. Aside from the fact that it is racial. We have to remember that these are the grandchildren or great-grandchildren of the same people who made our grandparents stand outside in the rain, the same people who shot them with water hoses, the same people who spit on them for wanting to be able to sit at the same table or ice cream parlor. So what is in you eventually comes out of you. The Bible says you can tell a tree by its fruit. The fruit it bears, right? So if this is what's in you, this is what's going to come out. And they don't care because it's not an impact that they have to go through. They don't. And then they're unwilling to have the conversation. They're unwilling to fact check. They're unwilling to be uncomfortable 
because that might really even out the playing fields. And God forbid you're not in the position to be seen when the playing fields are even. It comes back to the same argument of, oh, you're in this school by affirmative action. No, your wife is in this school by affirmative action. I'm in this school because I work my ass off. There's a difference because white women benefited more from affirmative action than black people ever did. Whenever you get through. And that's a fact. You can Google it. It's a fact. We want to talk about housing assistance and SNAP benefits. White women. Google that one too. White women. You now you want to talk about entrepreneurship and higher education, black women. Google that one too. Why you Google? So if you're going to have the conversation with me, you better come with the facts because I am the chick who has had to defend my blackness all the way around the globe from the time I was born. I was born and raised in the suburbs of Chicago, which meant that I was not black enough for my West Side family members, and I wasn't white enough for the people I went to school with. All I know is how to justify my identity. And at 37 years old, I'm tired of it. I don't have to explain to you how I got here. Run my resume. I shouldn't have to pick and choose whether or not my hair is professional enough, whether or not my clothes are provocative, They're provocative because your body shape is different, not because my clothes are provocative. Because you want to talk about professionalism, but you've had on the same leggings that you clearly paid $3.99 for photos that I can see through. But yet I'm provocative. Like, let's have all of the conversations and address all of the things about me that really make you uncomfortable because you're really not afraid of the drug dealers and the murderers and the gangbangers because you know that they take care of themselves. What you are afraid of, though, is that women like us and the children that we will bear and the men who who we have married and will marry have the ability to shift the influence of this country, which puts you in a position where your nepotism will not be able to outshine my education. Mm. It just won't. And you can't silence me and you can't make me feel bad for having a voice and you can't try to use my words against me as a weapon because I spoke my words on purpose. And there are two things that you will no longer be able to take my voice and the facts. So that is the gift that we have to give our children. The facts. Whether they hurt, whether they make it uncomfortable, whether they cry through it, they get angry, whatever their response is, validate their emotion, but give them the facts. Stop sugarcoating stuff. All things. Race, molestation, education, politics, death. We shelter kids. Oh, we just not going to talk about this in front of Ray Ray. No, tell Ray Ray. So that he grows up with an understanding of what the truth is. And nobody can take that away from him. You can incarcerate me. You can sit me in the corner. You can fire me. But you cannot take the truth. You can isolate me. You can pretend that I don't exist. You can try to do everything that you can to erase me. 
but the facts will always play out. What's done in the dark will always come to the light. And the more you isolate me and the more you try to silence me and the more you try to strip what I know is the strength that I have, what you're actually doing is proving my point. Because none of this would have been an issue had you just let me address the issue when it came up the first time. It's amazing that you were not able to send out the communication to, to start to create the space to have the conversation. But the same people who wouldn't let you send that out will go and listen to your podcast and read through your comments so that they can have feelings and operate out of emotion with you. Correct. Because while they may be ignorant, they're not stupid. It's intentional. First of all, you put me in a space where you have explicitly said to me that I am a potential liability. And then you create opportunities for me to display that exact liability. I ain't got these degrees for nothing. I see you. Yeah. And I see the game that you're playing. But I, again, at the end of the day, I am a mother of two children. So I'm never going to allow my kids to be the sacrifice. Not at work, not in the streets, not by the hands of police, not in education, and not in any other situation that I have any influence in. So I'm going to let you stomp through here and look real foolish. What's wrong with her? I have no idea. Because I know that you are looking to put me in a position to be able to justify getting me out of the seat that I'm in. No, you've earned that seat. You staying in that seat until you decide that that's a seat that you no longer want. And your voice is just being magnified louder and louder and louder. They made it worse by not letting you create that space. And also, I'm just very curious to see how all of this turn how all of this turns out, especially because we are not done. We are not finished in real life. We are still moving through all of this conflict, still moving through living through the largest civil rights movement of our lifetime. We're still here and your voice is still here and your voice and your podcast and your vlogs, my my voice, my podcast, my organizations, our missions are not going away. No, they're not. But I can tell you how it's going to play out in this space. You could not acknowledge the pain that I felt as a human, which means you don't deserve the acknowledgement of my professionalism. I don't lack it. I just understand that it's like respect. If you expect to get it, you ought to start by giving it. And since you chose to decide what was appropriate, what things could be uncomfortable and which ones couldn't, then you can figure it out once I move. We have to get to a place where we have an exit strategy. Look, I'm queen of an exit plan, okay? The HR pro in me enjoys an exit plan and a transition plan because people deserve to feel safe at work and deserve to not be in a hostile environment. And if you're being accosted when you're coming out of the bathroom and if the HR person is telling you that they had an attitude with you and we're not speaking to you, um, that that sounds pretty hostile to me. Correct. And like what they, I think what people fail to realize is 
a lot of times situations escalate and people get opportunities not based on what they know, but based on who they know. So you should be very careful with the bridges that you burn because you don't know who it is that's rescuing them on the other side. You potentially telling me that I was a liability, set yourself up for a lawsuit. Yeah. However, because I always think beyond this moment, I realize that it's not worth the exhaustion that it would take me in this season to go through all of that. So in my head, my move now is how do you move? How do you position yourself to maintain your respect, to exert who you are, and to not have to make another sacrifice? Because far too often, our culture does not teach about an exit strategy, which is why we end up in the situations that we end up in. We run from relationships, we run from marriages, we run from jobs, we run from our kids, we run from anything that looks like it might be overwhelming to us, and we find ourselves in other situations that now we're drowning, trying to figure out how we're going to get out of. And I promised myself, when I left my marriage without an exit strategy, that I would never do that again. Mm -hmm. And so if it means that I have to grin and bear it for a little while longer because the back end of it will be smoother, faster, then that's the role I have to play right now. But as a black woman, this is often what we have to do. We have to figure out how to make all of the hats fit this one outfit all the time. And thank God it should be temporary because once you create that plan and start to put it into action, who knows where we will be this time next year? If, if 2020 has taught me nothing else, who knows where we will be at this time next year? And also the point of like, I feel it's like in the presence of thine enemies, they thought that they were silencing you. And they thought that who Karen thought by telling you her feelings and crying and approaching you in the hallway would silence you. In fact, it just... And I said this before, like, it just shows why it's so important for you to have that space and continue to tell your story. And for black women, either in the space with you or wherever we are, to elevate each other's voices and each other's experiences. Because we don't have the privilege of having that apathy barrier. We don't do that. No, we don't. And I, so many things just came out of what you just said. So number one, 2020 has taught me that I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Like, I don't know what it's going to bring when I get home. Where we always thought, and this is kind of a sneak peek into the next podcast, where we have been living in the cliche of life is short. 2020 is teaching us that life is shorter than we thought it was. Like, it's even shorter than short, whatever that is. It's like Miranda size, because I'm little. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, like... You better get it while you can get it because you don't know what the next moment is going to bring. So you better love now. You better apologize now. You better run now. You Whatever it is that you want to do, like you have to, in this season, adapt that Nike model and just do it because you may not have that opportunity tomorrow. Because of the way that we're currently living, like you also don't have the opportunity to grieve whatever it is that you've lost. Because we don't have the ability to do it anymore. So 
black women. Um, I don't even know how, I don't even know what to say. I don't even know how to feel. I don't, I'm rarely lost for words, but I am lost for words because I think that black women aren't the only people expected to show up, show out, support, clap, carry, fight, ignite, educate, love, forgive, apologize, and nobody ever does it back. Nobody is expected to match the expectation that is put on black women. It doesn't matter how much we carry, we expect it to be able to carry some more. It doesn't matter how many times we've forgiven, we're expected to forgive some more. It doesn't matter who it is, if it's an inkling of melanin, we expect it to show up, we expect it to support, we're expected to, to love the hell out of them and then forgive them when they go serve another God. Like whatever it is, there is this expectation that black women are supposed to do it until we need it. And then who shows up for us? We don't even show up for each other the way we should. Real talk. I think that's part of the internalizing and adopting the ways of the oppressor. There's no way in the world that black women should not show up for each other all the time. No way, no way possible. There's, But because we are, we have been conditioned to be competitive. Yes. So a part of the reason that we show up so strong is because we can't not show up if Lala show up because then Lala got one up on me, even though I don't want to be here or it's not safe for me to be here. I'm going to show up just so that nobody can say that she showed up and I didn't. We have been conditioned to constantly compete with each other from all the way from slavery. Yeah. We, we just trying to get in the house. Yeah. Some, Something different happens in the house, right? Yes, something different happens in the house, but it also includes a different level of what you experience in outside of the house. It's still the same hatred. It's just packaged different. That trauma, that trauma and that abuse is just... It's just packaged different. It's, now it's... You think, oh, okay, well, he raped me and now I got this very light-skinned baby that's also about to be a slave, right? But then you get in the house and you realize he raped you and you don't get to raise your baby, but yet you have to be the milkmaid for his. It's the same situation. It's just a different setup. But because we've been conditioned to feel like we have to constantly prove ourselves, we have to constantly show why we deserve to be in this seat, why we deserve to be in this presence, why we deserve to have this degree, why we deserve to have this business, we forget to bring the rest of us to the party. How many times do you hear, oh, I ain't got no girlfriends. I don't really get along with females. That is a problem. It is a problem that you, as a woman, don't get along with other women. It's a and problem. it's not them, it's you. It's a problem and if you, as a woman, would on purpose attack another black woman. And I'm not talking about fight. I'm not talking about like fighting right. over no boy. I'm talking about real life spiritual level warfare that you would wage against your sister. Against your daughter. Hello. Hello. 
Hello. But I mean, even if you unpack that, it gets down to how you feel about yourself and what you think you are worthy of and the love that you think that you are worthy of and the love that you think that you can give to others. Which is often a reflection of what somebody has said to you. So we are the product of what we have been taught to believe about ourselves. I am as bold as I am because from the time I can remember, my daddy told me, you're not average. So it, it forced me to understand like, well, I can't do that because that's some average stuff. And I can't bring that back to my daddy because my daddy has already told me that I'm not average. And so because my father instilled in me that mediocrity was not to be accepted, what was perceived from the outside was she thinks she's better than us. No, no, no. I think you're better than you, but you don't think you're better than you. It has nothing to do with what I think about me. I believe that you have more potential than you're willing to acknowledge. You have more opportunities. You have a genius mind that somebody told you you didn't have. I believe you're worth more than what you're getting on your link card that you're selling on social media. I just believe that there's more in us. But we are too busy trying to justify why we don't like this one to realize that we are better together. My father told me that I had greatness in me since I was little. Anything that was done where I had to make a choice. I had to ask myself, is this what greatness looks like? And there were some very difficult choices that I had to make where I'm like, yeah, no, this ain't me. This is not me. And there's nothing that you can tell me to make this me because this is not great. So I understand exactly what you mean when it's like, no, I don't think that I'm better than you. I think that you are better than you. I think that greatness is better than this. And I can only do great things. Correct. And you should only challenge yourself to do great things but it gets back to what we were talking about in the beginning it's uncomfortable to do great things it's uncomfortable to push yourself beyond being average when you've been conditioned to believe that average is where you you just got to be you just got to get a c you just got to get a c no you can't be comfortable at average you cannot you cannot you have to understand who you are and what your light is and you got to follow that light. And when you follow that light and you know how great you are, you can see the light in someone else, even if they can't see it. Correct. But somebody has to be willing to turn that light on. Somebody right? got to be willing to turn the light on, give you the gas, show you where the flame. If you don't know, if you don't know. Somebody has to show, somebody has to turn that light on, right? Like your daddy turned it on. My daddy turned it on. We are turning it on for anybody who listens to these podcasts. We are turning it on for anybody we're mentoring. We're turning it on for anybody who's willing to sit down in the room and go through the workshops and be uncomfortable in order for that thing to be ignited. Because me taking the flame that is burning on the inside of me and lighting yours, don't make me shine any dimmer. Like I can share my light and still glow in the way that I glow. Our problem, though, is that a lot of times our first bullies are people in our family. When we decide as little girls 
going to be a princess. You ain't no princess. Well, who poo-pooed on your parade? Why yeah. are you mad that they broke your slipper, Cinderella? Like, like, let the girl believe that she's going to be a princess and let that be enough. So from the time we are little boys and little girls, a lot of times we're getting conditioned as children of what we not going to do. It has to start there. It has to start there. My son is 11. Just started sixth grade. My oldest just started sixth grade. We started e-learning a week and a half ago. He has a dry erase board that sits next to his little e-learning station that I write affirmations on every morning because I need to be the loudest voice in his ear. So when he starts to struggle, the stuff that comes to his mind immediately is my mama said, I'm, I'm, I'm like the Black Panther. All I got to do is show them who I am. Oh, there's excellence in me. Oh, my voice has weight. I shouldn't be afraid of my opinion. I'm supported. Oh, I worked hard and my hard work is eventually going to pay off. These are the things that we have to tell our children. And these are things that we got to start telling adults because ain't nobody ever told them either. Yep. For every adult that is trying to shut down the dream of a child is because somebody shut down your dream. It's like it's like generational healing going both ways. Yes. Like healing self every single day, giving that empathy and love to your current self, your future self, and also the versions of you that you were in the past that you had to be in order to survive whatever it was that you had to survive. You were not perfect. You won't be perfect. But you got to love yourself now, love yourself in the future, speak love to yourself in the past. You also have to speak that love and power to the youth. You got to speak that love and power to your peers and your friends. And you got to speak it to the older generation who does not understand why we as millennials and especially Gen X are fed up. We're not, we are not moving forward with that conditioning that they had to survive. And we're not doing that anymore. We cannot continue the way that we've been continuing. We're going to speak. You have, like, I love this meme. I think I shared it. You have fucked with the last generation. We're not going to sit and be thankful that we have a job. No, I deserve to feel safe in this space. We're, we are not going to just sit and be thankful anymore when we deserve the same treatment that everybody else, that we are just as deserving of our space and taking up our space. And we just got to speak that confidence to everybody. But you got to, you have to make sure that that's a hard load to carry. Okay. Especially if, your circle is not pouring that stuff back into you. So I would ask, do you got I the right don't circle? Care who you are, I don't care how old you are, I don't care what profession you're in, you need a mentor. Yes. Yes, you do. You need somebody who is gonna give you the real and then is gonna love you back to help. A says this was wrong. And tomorrow you start over. Yes, and. Yes, and. Because too many times all we get is the beginning part, which is also valid. Okay, well, I got molested as a child. I did this. I went to jail. Yes, and. Hello? You may not be responsible for the things that, I mean, it, it may not have been your fault for the things that happened to you yesterday, right? 
but you're responsible for what you do with them tomorrow. No, it wasn't your fault, but it's your responsibility. You've got to deal with that. So this whole concept of this all I know, this is what my mama did, this is what my daddy did, this, that, 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 that. no. Because first of all, all you got to do is ask Siri and she can tell you how to not do what your mama did. I promise you she can. She knows everything. Google it. Connect to somebody who has already been or is already currently sitting in the seat that you're trying to get to. Stop talking to people who ain't been nowhere. How can you tell me how to get to a place you ain't never got to? And that you have no intention on going to. Correct. And be okay understanding that there's levels to this, right? Everybody has a role. People have to figure out what their role is and then play it. Play your role and do it well. Me playing my role doesn't shade you playing your role in whatever that role may be. I know for me personally, as loud as I may talk, you're never going to see me at anybody's protest. Why? Because I'm a single mom with two kids and people don't know the difference between protesters and looters and I can't afford to disappear for three or four days because they didn't confuse me with whoever else. That's not my role. My role is, however, to continue to make people uncomfortable and continue to have hard conversations and to go into schools and to workplaces and to churches and to groups and to sit down and have workshops on anti-racism and to begin to dispel the myths on both sides from our side and their side, our generation, my kids' generation, my grandmama's generation. That's my role and I need to play it. Somebody does have to riot. Because they wouldn't listen to me if they wasn't out there kicking windows out, right? Like, okay, well, you don't have to write. They did have to write because we wouldn't be having these conversations if there were no riots. And we wouldn't be rioting if black people weren't getting murdered in the street by police officers because there was just another one. Like, it's a cycle. It is a very sick cycle. And now it's gotten to the point where... It's not just, oh, well, he was in the midst of committing a crime. Now I can't call for a wellness check on my family who I know has mental health issues because now that's a threat too. So, so where is it safe for me to just be? Not at home, Brianna Taylor. Not in the street. Not in the psych hospital. Not walking down the street with your Arizona can. Not, apparently not coming out the bathroom from washing your hands either. No. Because that situation could have escalated terribly. It could have. Had the wrong person come up at the wrong time. What do they say? The pen is mightier than the sword. It's very, it is very evident that your voice makes people very uncomfortable in that space. And they still seeking out your voice, which is why it's comical and sick. Correct. But it just goes to show that in this moment, while we are still moving through, your voice and your podcast and every single moment matters. And I'm just glad to know that, like, even if you thought it was just you vlogging and documenting, like, and starting to have conversations... The fact that people are literally seeking you out as a way 
to keep this up, it just goes to show how much more work we got to do and why our voices are so important. And these stories will be told and shared and heard because this change has to stop. But for me, the way that I am going to make sure that I use my voice and my light to help others is to always amplify the voice of black women and tell the stories of other black women and create safe spaces for black women to be authentic and to be who they are. Because in this space, we can be authentic and be a version of ourselves that we cannot necessarily be when somebody's accosting us outside of the bathroom. That's when you got to go back and figure out how am I going to create this podcast to be able to express myself because I could not say to you what I wanted to say to you when I wanted to say it. Correct. <laughs> Correct. And if you was mad about my tone here, if you was mad about these words, imagine the, the unscripted raw emotion that you would have got had I not been who I am. Hello. That's what so they don't know. I am my daddy's child. <laughs> and my father was a West Side man. So my father will cut you clean up okay. and then put his degree on top of your head when he finished. Okay. Don't don't. <laughs> don't like don't don't miss it. It's amazing though. Like I'm excited about where both of our journeys are going to take us to be able to create and try to create goodness in the midst of this chaos. It goes to show the gifts that God has given us. So I feel very blessed and very humbled and very honored to have learned this story. Like, I love an origin story. I'm so proud of you for launching your podcast. I listened to the disclaimer, which is your most recent episode. And I was like, what happened here? How did we get here? So to hear what happened and to know that you still are there, it's not like we're talking about something that happened a long time ago. Like this is still going on. Correct. So like I am sending you love and positive energy and all of the power to be who you are. Where can people follow you and connect with you and listen to the disclaimer as well as your other podcast episodes? So my podcast is on all podcast streaming networks. It is Moments with Miranda. And you can find me on Instagram and Facebook as Moments with Miranda. Um, I try to keep it simple, understanding that like these singular moments have the power to change our lives. And I think 2020 is, is showing us that, that it is literal moments that are changing the trajectory of life. Um, Never, when we sat down last year, never would I have thought that this would have been the next conversation. Like, we had all these plans and stuff that we were pulling together, and life was like, no, this is it. The funny part is, that was this year. I think that was like February. See, that's how long, that's, 2020 is the longest year ever, okay? It has been a very long year. We we never thought, we never thought that it would have been like this. Like, never. But 2020 is the book of Job, and I'm just trying to figure out, like. Man. I, I don't even know. And I'm just wondering, like, I believe that, I don't believe in coincidence. I believe that all things are. God's intentional design, be it relationships, friendships, business partnerships, the way that life unfolds, period. I I don't think that it, it was by happenstance that we went to college together, but we were not close in college. You know, like it took us being full grown women to be like, hey, sis, I see you. And I think that's how like this sisterhood was built. 
And so I don't think that I know for a fact that even in this, it's not over. Like, I don't, I don't believe that it's just going to be us going back and forth, hollering, that's my sister and I'm going to forever rock with her. I'm just wondering like how all things are going to come together. I don't know if it's going to be some dope black women's program that we end up co-owning and, you know, literally having, we always talk about like creating the space, but like literally creating the space for black women to just show up and be, there's always this expectation that we got to show up and do stuff. And I'm just really hoping that God creates an opportunity for us to have a space where they can just show up and be. Show up and be. I love that. I'm going to leave it on that. I'm going to, Lord God, I pray that you will hear these words and allow us to use the gifts that you have given us to pour into each other, into ourselves, and into these future generations, into the past generations, like the impact that we leave. To to close out with a Wakanda forever, you're talking about some moments, the loss of Chadwick, and just how he used every single moment. I feel like Obama's tribute was the sweetest. He said, like, what a good use of his years. What are we doing with our moments? And I promise you, every moment that I have, I am going to do what I can to uplift and protect Black women all the time. So thank you for joining me in the Rose Garden. I love my soul sister, Miranda. Yeah. Check out her podcast, and I will talk to you guys later. Bye. All right, superstars, we are all out of time. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you love the show, make sure to subscribe, share, review the episodes, tag a friend, talk to me. Visit DanielleMoneyham.com and follow me on social media to stay connected. Your support means the world to me. So thank you for helping my dreams come true. A major lesson that I learned, that I continue to learn, is that although you will experience dark moments in your journey, you can be the light. You have more power than you know. Until we meet again, shine bright.